Hello and welcome to the King Biscuit Flower Hour with Kirby and Justin. Kirby, how are you? Uh, you, you caught me off guard there. Am I on the right show? Well, I jest, of course. This isn't the King Biscuit Flower Hour, but perhaps you uh, will take a walk with me down memory lane and remember the King Biscuit Flower Hour. You're going to have to help me. You have to hold my hand on the walk down victory lane. So. Q95, I think it was late Sunday night. They would have the King Biscuit Flower Hour. Uh, it's all in Indiana, of course. Uh, but I think it was like, you know, one of these syndicated shows that they'd sell to a radio station. Oh, yeah. And um, they'd always have like a live band playing. It was a, it was a, basically a live recording of a concert. And uh, yeah. I, I remember taping it with cassette tapes sometimes. <laughs> well, it sounds like fun. But if it was late on a Sunday evening, I'm sure I was tucked safely in bed. Well, I was busy recording with my TDK tape, cassette tape. Really? You prefer TDK over Maxell? I was a TDK man. And you always wondered how they came up with that name, King Biscuit Flower Hour. Uh, I'm assuming there was a product called King Biscuit Flower, and they sponsored the hour. What do you think? I think that's a terrible thing. I don't think it had anything to do with flower. I think it was flowers in the plant. And my guess is it was some throwback to some, you know, drug diluted 70s hippie reference uh curb it's a it's a weird time waited over a week to since a race to have another show and uh i can all i can barely remember what happened i don't know about you hopefully you've you've retained more than i did for people that uh are ardent um indycar fans hopefully you know rob miller's passing last week kind of uh Kind of blotted out everything else and uh, makes everything else seem like a distant memory. So, um, so you're to be excused, I think, for your lack of recall on the race itself. So go with it, Robin Miller. I mean, there's been a lot of tributes. I think the one you sent me today was probably one of the best uh, Dave Despain's uh, version of it. I thought it was quite good. Even they, I thought, wrote a decent article. You and I, I think, both have a soft spot for Robin. Really glad we got a chance to interview him. You talk about, you know, uh, Montoya saying it is what it is. Well, Robin Miller was what he was, right? Kind of the genuine deal, kind of what you saw there is what you got. Uh, without a doubt. He was special to everybody that's uh, a follower of IndyCar. You and I might have an even a deeper appreciation just for the fact that uh, we grew up here in Indianapolis uh, reading him and the star, not only writing about the you know, the IndyCar series, and the, he wrote about the Pacers. He wrote about, uh, you know, IU basketball, the Colts. Uh, had a had a weekly gambling column in the Star. Uh, you know, just did it all and uh, covered a lot of bases besides racing. A genuine character, the real deal, as you say. We could sit here and, and stumble on, but we really couldn't add a whole lot to the tributes that are out there. A lot of good ones, as you said. I, w- I would also throw David Malsher's tribute in uh, motorsport.com. I often used to read uh, Robin Miller on a Sunday evening and then go and retire to my room to listen to the King Biscuit Flower Hour. He'll be missed. That's, I guess that's just the best way to say it. Well, I, th- I think probably is, uh, uh, aside from his uh, goodbye letter uh, that he wrote in Racer, his probably last meaningful article on racing was all about Kyle Larson and how they needed to get him in the 500 next year. I think it's interesting now. It looks like the Simon Paginot is trending towards shank racing by all accounts. Is that what you're hearing? I'm hearing that. And uh, I think Penske's likely to s- slim down to three cars next year. That means that he's got a, a car available for the 500. Do you think uh, Larson's name is all over that, or would you nominate somebody else? 
bang for your buck. Uh, and I assume we're, you know, in reality here, right? I mean, Juan Montoya comes to mind. I mean, it's pretty hard to to beat a Kyle Larson or, you know, Bush or something like that. Somebody from NASCAR in general, I think you'd have to say, would be pretty smart uh, from a marketing standpoint. There's nobody like that I just am dying to see in the 500 at this point. You know, Larson, he was, I don't know if you saw that video where he was, Penske attended that uh, BC 39 uh, dirt car race in the infield at the Speedway. Revved up the crowd by asking them if they thought that anybody out there on the track could uh, drive for him in the 500 next year. And then, uh, you know, I guess it's on Twitter that uh, Ernie Francis Jr. toured the uh, the Penske shop today. That'd be a huge step for him, right? I mean, he, he's been a, he's a Trans Am racer. I mean, that's he's not even in the ballpark, I think, ready to to. And maybe you're not implying he's ready for the 500. Penske is certainly uh, committed to uh, but, uh, an IndyCar diversity program. Uh, you know, it could be Infinity Series. It could be NASCAR. It could be uh, Road to Indy. What about but, Danica, uh, Kirk? From a fantasy standpoint, uh, <laughs> we're not, we're not going to go to Danica. Direction. What about Danica? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 run down, I, I wrote down Lewis Hamilton's name. I know Hamilton would never do it. But I bet Max Verstappen would if he had the opportunity. What do you think? Uh, not now, but, um, if all the stars aligned, which it's impossible for all the stars to align, but if it, if it were possible, I would pick him as one of the few in formula one that would, uh, that would do it. I would, I would think he'd be entertaining. Uh, okay. Probably the best driver in the world right now. Okay. Curb, you're going to hate all of this. Okay. We're not going to talk about spa, are we? Let's talk about spa. No, let's not. <laughs> Did you watch the spa? Grand Prix. No, I've uh, I've seen the headlines and I've read. Well, Kurt, what I was going to say is it was a perfect F1 race for you. It was two laps. I guess for those who are unaware, I guess we have to say this. Um, the Spa Grand Prix is now in the books and it was pouring down rain, really bucketing down. And they did two formation laps where they followed around the safety car. And they called that a race. And whoever was on pole, by definition, was first. And whoever qualified but, second, by definition, was second. But am I am I right that they weren't even formation? I mean, they were they they counted towards the race distance. Because That's correct. There has to be a minimum two laps, laps completed for a race to count. At the time, if I if I got the, I think I get this correct, curb. Not that it really matters, but they were calling them extra formation laps. But either way, they counted. They they purposely put two in the book so they could say, because uh, that's what the regulations were, they could say they had the Grand Prix, knowing full well they weren't going to race on Monday, and it wasn't looking too good to race the rest of that day just based on, on the weather coming in. Uh, Curve, I only mention it uh, in the sense that, A, I thought it was a perfect one for you to watch, uh, but B, um, I, I can't imagine that happening in IndyCar, right, at all. Like where they just say, okay, well, we did two laps. That's it. It's in the books. And here's half the points. It just seems such an arbitrary thing. And I realize they got regulations on all this. So, they, you know, they followed that. But, wow. I mean, it seems like a misstep to me, Curb. I don't know it's, about you. I think it's a huge misstep. And, um, you know, even IndyCar's got some really inventive ways to F things up. But I don't think IndyCar could have even gone that, uh, you know, screwed the fans that badly. And uh, Well, I'm – I mean, it's tricky, right? Because the promoter's different than the organization. It's not like 
F1 directly took the money. The promoter is is the one who has to refund the funds. And maybe F1 would compensate the promoter to do that. I mean, I'm sure that's all. Those discussions are clearly already taking place. And what about your what about your TV partners and your sponsors? At the end of the day, what's the argument over who's going to pay? And if you say, well, it's unacceptable that the uh, fans will pay, then somebody else is going to have to pay, and that's either going to be the Formula One or or uh, or the, or the promoter or you know. Or the okay, but, but what I'm saying is nobody has to pay if you make a good faith effort, even it has to be on Monday to stage a race. Looked at it, it wasn't possible. They couldn't get the people, but you're just yeah, you know what to- you know what you know what all this sounds like. I don't know what episode number it was last year when we discussed the uh, tire debacle at, at Indianapolis for Formula right. One. Yes. Well, our, you know, our, our hands were tied by the regulations. We just couldn't it just couldn't be done. Then you got a debacle. Look, it was a debacle. And if you were out there, and uh, admittedly, you know, it rains all the time in Belgium. Apparently those people are prepared for it. But to just sit out there in that miserable cold rain all day to watch that and then go home and realize you just spent several hundred dollars uh, for a ticket. Uh, and not sure if you're ever going to see it back. That has to leave a sour taste in your uh, mouth, much like a sour Belgian-style uh, beer, wheat beer. Well, especially when you have the new conscience of uh, Formula One, Lewis Hamilton all over your case in the press, right? Yeah, I mean, is is that really Lewis's position to kind of just jump in there right at that moment? But it apparently is. he is the, see, new, the new moral compass for that organization. Right. All right, back to IndyCar. What do you got? Uh, did you see Alonzo said that uh, he's getting better with age? Again, I saw the headline. I did not read the article, but I saw the headline. Yeah. It says he would kick his butt, his 25-year-old butt. I'll bring that back to IndyCar in that I don't think the current Ryan Hunter Ray is as good as the Ryan Hunter Ray 10 years ago. I'll just throw that out there, Curb. You? I, I would agree. Uh you pick out any 40-year-old in the IndyCar series right now, you could probably say the same thing. Yeah, any of them. I agree. But it's somewhat of a ludicrous statement. I, I, um, I'm i not buying into that per se. Curb, the, the mystery that we've been talking about all year on this podcast uh, continues, and that is the leader circle money. And I don't even want to talk about it, but it's like why can't IndyCar clarify this? Apparently there's some kind of blurb in it today. Can you enlighten us? It wasn't a blurb. It was a lengthy article. It was the point of the whole article by uh, Nathan Brown in the Indy Star today. At this point in the season, they still don't know what the rules are for leader circle, uh, who's eligible for leader circle money next year or who's not. So they don't really know if there's a competition or if there's, you know, there could be as few as 22 drivers eligible to win the 22 spots in the leader circle, which means there's no drama. Or there could be as many as 25 or 26, depending on what the rules are. And uh, despite Nathan Brown's best efforts, IndyCar won't tell him. Curb. And I know you, you, you and I have asked different people by yeah. email about this, different uh, reporters, and we've gotten different answers from all of them. I don't think so. anybody knows. I think they're kind of making it up. Look, we opined on this uh, show that it looked like Bobby Rahal was kind of lobbying to his side of the argument, which is, you know, he would be eligible even with a part-time driver this year. And we were opining that he was trying to make that the rule by kind of going out in the press and saying that. But I figured when Gateway came around and he had no driver in the race, that he kind of had no third driver in the race, that he had given up on that concept. Well, I mean, it makes you wonder, right? Uh, yeah, because otherwise he probably would have put a driver in that race. 
Yeah, I don't know who's available. I don't know if uh, somebody like Santino Perucci was available for that race, but you would think he would have tried. What, does um, Santino have a date? He runs the occasional Infinity race. Okay, know. all right. Well, this is a big mess, Curb. This is just a big and a huge opportunity loss, and that this could be really interesting if they would make something of it. Uh, yeah, I, I, would, I would think the the car owners uh, would be yeah disappointed not to know what uh, what the rules are. Say what you will, there aren't enough stories in IndyCar to to fill the uh, the news cycles, and uh, especially when you get two or three weeks between hit races here, it makes you think that they kind of don't want to be hemmed in, so they can do whatever they want to do when the season's over. Um, Curb coming out of Gateway, there was a kind of a less than great headline uh, on the AP. Uh, can you? Refresh my memory what that was. Uh, would that be erratic driving upends IndyCar championship race? Yes. And then there was a whole lot of scuttle but about, you know, how bad the driving was at Gateway. Kind of implying a little bit that IndyCar drivers are hacks. Curb, as best I can tell, it was one incident with uh, Renus uh, VK that was really kind of at the heart of it. The Ray Hall Jones thing seemed kind of like Maybe not the smartest thing, but just kind of a racing incident. What say you? I think they all need to shut up and grow a pair. And it's easy to say, not being somebody in the cars. Imagine if there wasn't erratic driving, or supposedly erratic driving, in the gateway race. Uh, we all would have been asleep halfway through the race. Am I wrong? Exactly. It had been a parade. I recommend, by the way, Romain Grosjean does a video log after every race. Puts it out like a Monday or Tuesday following a race. So I watched his vlog uh, after the gateway race and they showed all like his passing and dicing that he was doing. And, um, and he made a bunch of, you know, uh, exciting passes. And, uh, but when you watch his video log and it had a lot of in car camera, uh, he touched tires with the car he was passing like two out of three times. I mean, they're barely, they're barely making these passes by the time they get into these turns. Those those restarts are when it happens, right? And that's your big opportunity. You see what happens when they go green flag for 100 laps. Nothing happens. I mean, there you you could say, okay, I'm going to take it easier on the restart and let you keep your position, Scott Dixon, because you're you know Scott Dixon. That means that I got to sit here and follow you for the next 100 laps because I didn't take the chance I had. Now, frustrating that uh, that the people involved and I you know I understand they don't want to wreck their cars, but. Um, well, I think what you're saying is exactly right. I mean, you got drivers talking out both sides of their mouth. You know, they're the first to say, well, it's really hard to pass here, right? How many times do you hear that? And then followed by, it's going to be a position race, track position race. Right. And it's like, okay, so here's a guy trying to get track's position. Right. I mean, and it is going to be really hard to pass, and, you know, it's not going to work out every time. So, I mean, they really are talking out both sides of their mouth. I understand where I, the Ganassi team would probably be less than happy i do think vk was in in uh in air and i think he probably should have been a bit a lot more conciliatory than his comments ended up being but having said all of that um you're exactly right i mean just shut up how's that right <laughs> maybe it, maybe this podcast would be the only sympathetic year to uh rhinus vk <laughs> he went in there a little hot but you know still well rhinus send us a tweet you, you got right. you got you got a sympathetic ear here. That's right. Um, but you know this whole we need to sit down and have some gentlemen's agreements. I mean, screw that. So curb a uh, little silly season. Don't want to go too much into it. It's it's vastly reported elsewhere, and no need for us to really dig into it much. But it does appear that as we've been hearing, Gross Gene is going to Andretti. 
being kind of co-reported with that was it Devlin De Francesco? Uh, yep. Is also going to take uh, Hinch's uh, car. Look, uh, Grosjean, great year. That's going to be interesting to watch next year. De Francesco taking the seat, and he's not exactly uh, you know leading the uh, Indy Lights Championship. Uh, that kind of puts uh, that leaves Kyle Kirkwood uh, out in the wilderness a little bit, I would think. Well, uh, unless he wins the championship and gets that scholarship, um, you know, Malukas has given him a good run for his money. I think Malukas was actually in the lead after after Gateway. Um, he swept that weekend. Uh, but my understanding is Malukas does have budget with him, so even if he doesn't win, he's got a decent chance of uh, picking up a ride. You know, it's interesting. It's interesting. I watched and listened to on SiriusXM uh, my first IndyCar light rates of the year, and a few comments, uh, I would say a gateway anyways, which was, I, I understand the whole purpose is not to entertain fans, but thank God for that because it wasn't too interesting. <laughs> What was interesting was that uh, those Cooper tires apparently started having some problems and the car started going into the wall. So they ended up having to prematurely end the race. And then the second race, they just took a break in between, (laughs) put new tires on them. A little bit of sweeping on the rug there, but actually some rational thought, I would say, on part of the organization on Anderson Promotions there to kind of just kind of get that done without uh, a lot of negative uh, publicity for Cooper tires. I gotta agree. I, uh, I I attended and watched the race at uh, Barber earlier in the year, and um, there certainly wasn't much happening in the front half of the field. There, it was a it was definitely a parade. It would be a big shot in the arm for Indy Lights if they could get the uh, Freedom 100 back. I think, in my opinion, that was one of the rare miscues that Penske's made. Sounds pretty determined. I wouldn't hold your breath for it to come back. No, he, well, if you recall, he got quite angry when. <laughs> right. People implied that maybe he had made a miscue there. Um, uh, if I if I see him in the elevator, I'm not going to. That's not going to be the first thing out of my mouth. <laughs> I don't blame you. Overall, it looks pretty healthy. I'd obviously, be real healthy if uh, Penske uh, put his own team in there too. Which at this point kind of seems almost strange that he doesn't. I think another reason that he may be happy to slim down to three cars next year is that uh, they got to develop that Porsche program, right? That organization will have its hands full next year. Yeah, so. and then you got Simona de Silvestro, and what, what the hell is Ernie Francis Jr. doing over there the other day? I mean, they got a few balls in there. It's just a question of priorities. Curb, uh, I feel compelled to wrap this up. Oh, I got I got more to talk about. Well, blurt it out now because uh, time's uh, is nigh. Jimmy Johnson uh, seemed to be seemingly successful test at Texas today. He seemed enthusiastic. What do you think? Don't care. Okay. Uh, Iowa doubleheader returning to the schedule next year. Strange choice for a doubleheader. I, I, I don't know what the compulsion was to do a doubleheader, but I'm glad for it. I always like that track, and uh, I just hope they have it late enough to where the, the track grips in a little bit so they can run a couple of different lines. They need multiple events in order to attract campers and, and uh, that type of thing is my understanding. All right. You're obviously have somewhere else to be, so I'm going to let you go. No, you have a way. No, that's fine. Okay. That's fine. Next race is Portland. Portland. We need to do our picks. Yeah. And by the way, what do you think the odds are that they get all three of these races in? 70-30 in favor of it. I say it depends on whether Newsom wins the recall or loses. I uh, didn't even realize that was going on. 
I think a lot of more things are open in California because he didn't want to piss anybody off before the his recall election. Yeah, I mean, it can't it, the, the races can't come quick enough, but um, you know, probably the wheels are in motion for Portland, so that's probably in. Yeah, I'm going to still say 70-30 in favor. I, I, I and this isn't a political comment. It just seems to me like if you look at the stats, like the you know the number of cases is right up there again. The reaction to it is so much different this time around. If I had to, you know, be an amateur psychologist, I think people just had enough. All right, All Portland. Right. First pick, Portland. Hmm. Colton Herta. I'm going to have to go with Colton Herta, Curb. Surely he can hold his car together just once. Pole position uh, back in 2019. Uh, I'm going to have to go with Newgarden. Yeah. Um, qualified 13th last time in Portland. Yeah, but who won the 2019 race? Willpower. Uh, who will be my choice, Curb? As soon as I said that, I thought, oh, I should not have suggested that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I look, uh, Joe knew, as I told you when you picked him for Gateway, I thought that was a good, solid choice. It's a good, solid choice again. He's still got an excellent chance to win this thing. Although, I, you know, I think quite a while ago I picked Pato as the guy to win the championship, Curb, and I'm feeling a little better about that pick now. I'll, I'll go with award. The thing I don't like about award is like, you know, Cam McLaren, uh, you know, get it together. Right. And that's right. that's the question there uh, for Portland is like, will that team kind of get it together in time? And they've been uneven in their record in that. So that leaves me a small conundrum. Kirby, I think you backed me into Scott Dixon for some reason. It's kind of a safe pick. Qualified third in Portland. Um, if you recall, uh, back in 2019, had that somewhat miraculous recovery from that massive wreck where he was the only one that managed to get away unscathed. If he doesn't qualify all that well, uh, a great, you know, top three finish, put your money on type of day. Uh, I'm going to go with his teammate, Alexander Palau. Yeah, sentimentally, I, I'm right there with you. I, I would have preferred to pick him from a sentiment standpoint. Poor guy. Last couple races, uh, just down on his luck. I think he's going to have an engine penalty here, Curb, again. Um, Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. That's another reason not to pick him. Portland and Indy uh, road course are similar. Uh, on natural road courses, pretty flat. Um, so I think it should be suited well to him, even if he doesn't uh, get to start near the front due to a penalty. Yeah. At least uh, at least you've got the long straightaway again to create a nice passing zone. And in, in a in tremendous wrecking zone, too, if I recall. <laughs> Especially uh, Ryan Hunter Ray's coming in your direction. Or Ray Hall, if you recall. He went barreling into some dudes there. Oh, that's uh, that's true. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Great place to take in some wrecks if you're you're there for the race. Right. All right, Curb. Uh, on that note, I must go. All right. What's the uh, the Twitter page? Twitter, Twitter. handle. Um, and don't forget, uh, Rhinus, to uh, send us a tweet. Yes. At Hero. IndyCar, H-I-R-O, IndyCar, at Hero IndyCar. Uh, follow us, tweet us. We're, uh, we just started this thing. want to get it going. Have a good holiday weekend, and uh, we'll see you at Portland, or see you after Portland. Thank you. Good night. <laughs>